Hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 124, John and Wendy talk to Torin Ellis. I'm your host, John. And I am Wendy. How are you, John? Wendy, I am well. Excited. This episode is being sponsored by our friends over at Talent Magnet Institute and appreciate all their support. Mike Sippel and his group doing great things. We're going to be talking more about them later in the month. But Wendy, believe it or not, it's that time again. It's chat time. (laughs) Constantly now. But it's good. A a time to get together with folks and chat and and make those connections and keep that going. And, And I'm excited because... We're going to be joined by a co-host this time, which doesn't happen all the time. We are. Our pal, Christy Engler, is going to help us and lead a conversation about HR for small business. Many of you know Christy. She works uh, with a lot of small businesses in her area, provides HR support to them. She actually approached me back in I don't know, April or May and said, hey, how would you like to do a chat? And I'm like, if you come help, that'd be great. <laughs> She will be joining us as the third chair for that conversation. Really look forward to that. It's always fun, like you said, Wendy, and it's always better when we have we have an extra set of hands it and is. somebody that really focuses on that and has that knowledge. Look forward to taking part. Yeah, that's a good topic. I, I like the idea that of uh, talking about those small businesses who who we can help. I know our local HR group here. We've been trying to reach out to those folks for for some time because you know they don't necessarily need someone full-time, but they do need that advice. They There's a lot going on, especially right now. Especially right now. Be sure to join us then. Yes. In the meantime, though, we've got a fantastic guest tonight. Mm-hmm. Super excited to be finally connecting with him. I know you had him uh, on Wonder Woman, I believe, at one point a little earlier. You all oh, have talked at some his, point, we right? We had his co-host on Oh, Wonder you had his Women. co-host. Yes. I am so sorry. I thought they were both <laughs> on. I it's all a blur. It Listen, is. I'm I'm gonna stop. Uh, I'm gonna stop talking. I'll let you, let you make the introduction. I'll make the let. I'll let you make the introduction. How about that? And then we can get started. Well, as much as I would like to have Torin on HR Wonder Woman, he is. You know, you kind of have to identify as a woman. That we do have that one little caveat. That there we go. But it was great to talk with Julie last winter, and so excited to have Torin on now. Love their podcast, Crazy and the King. But let's learn about Torin. He leads a progressive boutique with laser-like focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, strategy, and risk mitigation. He embraces a collaborative talent approach built on transparency, objective clarity, actionable strategy, and rigorous performance monitoring. It's the reason some of the world's most forward-thinking companies have trusted him to make DEI a thriving force for their enterprise and constituents, to include employees as well as client and partner relationships. This consultant and practitioner is also executive producer and host of Career Mix, a weekly show on Sirius XM. The show aims to shift and socialize the punitive narrative to one of promise and features C-suite leaders addressing career ascent, development, diversity, and disruption. His voice has also become requested and trusted by some of the biggest conference organizers in the U.S. and abroad. A proponent of activist-like efforts, he authored his first book, Rip the Resume, in September 2016. And lastly, it's fun to note Torn being listed by technical.ly as one of 10 Baltimore tech and entrepreneurship leaders who should run for mayor, signaling a lighter side of this focused artist. Couldn't vote for you because I'm not in Baltimore, but um, after listening to you, Torn, I think I would uh, support that. (laughs) Having you as mayor somewhere would be fantastic. First, we're going to get even lighter side. Um, Our first question is always, what's in your glass? Awesome. So we're going to start with a little ABK6. (laughs) My through the week cognac, uh, it's like 
you know, nominal in terms of cost. It makes no sense to invest a whole lot of money to just do your everyday drink. So that's what's in the glass. I want to also tip my hat to that guy, Mike Sipple. I met him about three weeks ago virtually. He pinged me about participating or perhaps having someone to participate on my Sirius XM show uh, as I covered the uh, unfolding events in Minneapolis. So really enjoyed talking to him, exchanging emails with him. So glad to be on a segment where he is actually the sponsor. So shout out to you, Mr. Mike Sipple. Uh, and then the biggest shout out goes to you, Wendy, and to Jonathan, just for trusting my voice. I never take advantage of an invitation to participate and to share my voice. So thank the both of you for having me. Torin, I know you had an interesting career path. You started in sales, you created a staffing agency, and that kind of led down this path into HR. You know, what prompted that move? And then what keeps you in the human resources industry? Yeah, so let me try to do this in about 90 seconds. I loved or I love organic conversations. First and foremost, I have one of the most unique footprints in the DNI space. No, I don't know everyone, but I know what my footprint looks like and I know what a whole lot of other people's footprint looks like. And so I absolutely do have a very unique footprint. I show up differently in this space. And part of what brought me to where I am when I built sales teams for MCI Communications, uh, I had one of the top performing sales teams and most tenured sales teams when I left in 1998. And so what that told me was that if, in fact, I could hire individuals for MCI Communications, then I can hire individuals for a number of telecom companies. And so a friend of mine, we started a recruiting firm, built a seven-figure biggest business in less than 18 months, and we continued to grow that business until the bubble burst in 2001. My friend went back to corporate America. I'm hard-headed. And so I stayed out here and said, I'm going to keep building. I'm going to do it all over again. And so we built, and then we ran into the economic collapse of 2008. The difference being, even though 2008 was far more challenging, far more catastrophic, I had already experienced the one. And so I was able to kind of maneuver through and continue to go without taking too many licks. And then finally, in 2012, I decided that, you know, doing transactional recruitment is not what really excites me. Although I enjoy telling that story, I'm disappointed in the lack of representation. I recruited for a lot of organizations. Most of the positions that I recruited for were 100, 150K or above in terms of uh, just salary. And there was no representation. And so I'm looking at all these organizations. I'm looking at these DNI statements. And I'm like, somebody is not living up to what it is that they say is important. And so I then made a declaration that I was going to put a flag in the ground. I started researching what DNI efforts have been done over the last 100 years. And now you have me here showing up differently as, you know, Wendy said, I am chasing a more promising and not a punitive conversation, but I'm not letting people off the hook. I, I really like that. And I, you know, I, I'm in a talent acquisition in South Dakota, very white areas. And, you know, that's, that's one of those things that we have been pushing too, because there's, and it's not just here, it's everywhere I've worked, you know, when you look at that upper level. So trying to encourage that and, um, and get more, more diversity at that upper level so that people feel comfortable even moving up. I think it was Elena Valentine was like, you know, you can't see it. If you can't see it, you can't be it. And so we need to make sure that we're being deliberative in, in who we put in those roles and who we present for those roles so that we can have that color. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, Wendy. I didn't mean to cut you off, but what I'll say to you is that, you know, South Dakota, Portland, Oregon, it's Seattle, Washington, Bangor, Maine, if you will. It's different to have a DNI conversation there versus Chicago, uh, you know, Washington, D.C., Austin. And so while the conversations are both appropriate, we know that the solutions are going to be different. We know that the effort is going to be so much more different. We know that much of that conversation has little to do with the organization and everything to do with the community and what happens outside of the organization. So while I'm critical of a South Dakota, a Utah, and some of the other places that lean more towards a white population, I am still understanding that I don't expect their DNI numbers and results and whatnot to look the same as it would where I am here in Baltimore or Washington, D.C. Yeah, there, there's a lot of work in, in just in the communities. And we, we see that whenever you bring someone from, quote, outside in, regardless of what they look like, trying to just, you know, people scoff at diversity of thought. And I'm like, well, our local university, all of its, most of its leaders have graduated from that university. So we need to, we need to bring more people just into, into the community in general, and that will help bring more people in and the right people in. So this kind of leads into, you know, you're helping folks with those diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives. So what are some of the common themes that you're seeing with your new clients across the board? It's not even new clients, old clients, new clients alike. All of them suffer from the same thing, Wendy. And, you know, the bottom line is we have procrastinated. We have hid behind a number of excuses. Um, and what I said is that what I say is that we've allowed mediocrity to become you know, the standard order of the day. I am just challenging individuals to number one, to speak up. You got to be empowered in your organization. You have to know that you can call to the carpet our lack of effort around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, period. If you cannot safely say that and don't feel like there's going to be some high degree of retribution or scoffing from leadership and colleagues, you must be able to exercise your voice. If you can't exercise your voice, you need to really be evaluating whether or not that's an organization where you where you really can bring your whole self to work. You see, we love that phrase, bring your whole self to work, but they don't really want you to bring your whole self to work. So number one, it's empowerment. Number two, I say that organizations have to know where they are. They have to strategically know where they are. Every business unit and department is different. Every business unit and department, even in the same organization, doesn't operate on the same culture, same frequency. They're not in the same exact stage. They can be in maturation. They can be in continuous improvement. They might even be in transformation. So you got to know strategically where is my business unit. I'm sorry, let me be accurate. You got to know where the organization is, where the business unit or the department is, and then maybe even down to where your team is. So that strategic exploration, we kind of talk about that. And certainly there's more that goes along with that. And then last but not least, Wendy and Jonathan, tactical execution is extremely important. It's one thing to say I'm going to do it. It's an entirely different thing to do it. And so I normally say to individuals, I trust Wendy, Jonathan that you are both professionals at the work that you do. I'm not challenging your skill set at all, but I am going to challenge your will because if you don't have the willpower to do the work required, if you don't have the willpower to subscribe to a genuine understanding 
that diversity and inclusion, equity and belonging do not have a finish line, then that's where I'm going to really hold you accountable and I'm going to frown at you. So I know that people, I trust that people do and are able to do the role in which they are assigned. I'm challenging their willpower. And so their tactical execution is what becomes important. Are you willing to put forth the effort, make some mistakes, recalibrate and do it again? I don't want you to quit. We didn't quit when it came to software language iterations. We didn't quit when it came to moving from AOL dial up to 5G. We don't quit when it comes to, you know, these cameras on computers to plugging up high def pieces of equipment. We don't quit as it relates to iterating from a technical standpoint. Why in the world are we quitting as it relates to being better humans? We would love to sit here and say that everybody that listens to us would be able to hire you to come in and do these things that we're talking about. I think the sad reality is we can't. There is a budget or financial concern. And I know you don't have enough time in the day to do everything you do for everybody. Any recommendations that you would have for listeners that maybe they're just getting started. I think you and I can agree there's certainly a lot more focus on diversity inclusion initiatives right now. Some of it is, I think, just where we are as a country, the focus put on it. I think people are really trying to be serious about it and do it the right way. Any recommendations you could make as far as resources, tools, tips, tricks that people could do to better their situations. And in, I'm going to say probably in some cases, and I think you probably know this and see this, sometimes it, you know the human resources folks are the ones that are pushing these things, and maybe it's not seen as a big deal by upper leadership. Maybe it's, sometimes it's flipped, but I know sometimes it's certain people trying to get those directives pushed. What, what would you say in that case? So can I be honest? Please. That's why we have your sad commentary that after 250 years of slavery, 150 years of Jim Crow, 60 years of segregation, eight years of Barack Obama, four years of Donald Trump, that we are now deciding that we want to focus on diversity and inclusion. Sad commentary. Not getting any disagreement from me. None whatsoever. And so what I would say is, while I appreciate where we are and that we do have the focus, it is only fair that we look at the totality, the breadth, the range of why we are only where we are. And that doesn't mean that it's a punitive conversation. It just simply means that in the management consulting space, we use a term level set. In a number of industries, we use a term level set. And so I share that because I want people to understand that on this particular uh, weekend of recording this in the, the weekend prior to this recording, you still have the only black racer in NASCAR experiencing having a noose in his garage. Now, for some on the surface, they may say, well, you know, what's the big deal? Well, I'll say what the big deal is. It's a big deal that this guy is about to get in a vehicle or earlier got in a vehicle doing 200 miles per hour going around the track. And you have no idea whether or not your vehicle is safe. You don't know if something has been done to sabotage your vehicle so that we are having this conversation. And I bring this up because you say oftentimes HR is pushing for DNI initiatives. I don't believe that they've pushed hard enough because if HR would have pushed hard enough, then we wouldn't have had the exhaustive list of me too and times up uh, infractions that we experienced. Too many people in HR have sat in a position of let me protect the organization and not protect the people. 
We've got to protect the people. So for any organization out there that says, well, you know what? We don't really have a budget. We need to get started. I say hop on Harvard Business Review. I say get online on Google. There is no shortage of documents, blog papers, white papers, research papers, reports from Deloitte, Boston Consulting Group, McKinsey, I mean, Kaleidoscope, Catalyst. There is no shortage of documents out there to kind of help an organization or an individual say, well, where can I start? Maybe I start over here. Maybe I start with my employer branding piece. Maybe I look at my technology stack. I, I'm not sure where to start, but certainly there's some place for me to start. And by reading any of those articles, viewing any of those YouTube clips, they should have something that says I can do something different relatively quickly without any budget. There's just something that I can do. They can also reach out to me and I will send them a complimentary DNI starter kit. I'm not in this game because, again, I want to penalize people. My LinkedIn uh, description says that I'm non-judgmental but prescriptive. I want to see people win. So, Jonathan, they can reach out to me and I will email them a DNI starter kit, no strings attached. I won't even follow up. Like, I'll send it to you and I'll delete your email address. Like, you're not going, you're not going to get spam from me. I'm not adding you to a newsletter list. I just want to see people win. Last thing that I'll say is, I always say this, Jonathan, and I'll continue to say it forever. People say, well, Torn, what's the ROI of diversity and inclusion? I say greater than greater humanity. That's what it is for me. So I live and breathe that. Like when people ask me to do things, when people reach out to me, when clients reach out to me, when I compile my team of people to go in, they always are diverse. When I look at my radio show on Sirius XM, I tell my producer and my team, we got to have diverse voices. Like I'm on a black channel, but I don't want to have only black voices. I live and breathe diversity and inclusion. It's who I am. I love that. Yeah. Just having the different voices and the different people and, and people who don't look like you who can can share that. And that's one of the things it's one of the things I love about doing the podcast, just getting to talk to people like you, Torin and Julie and everyone that we've had on the show. We all bring our own our own thoughts and our own ideas into it and being able to to reach out to people across the country thousands of miles away that normally I wouldn't get a chance to talk to. So that's one of the things that I love about doing podcasts. We did want to talk shop a little bit too, because you do have Crazy in the King podcast. And Julie shared a little bit of your guys' story, how you met at Disrupt HR, which is, uh, I think, totally on brand. And that led to uh, to her husband, Chad Sawash, getting you guys to, to start Crazy at the King. One, I do, I do want you to talk a little bit about King. She talked about the crazy side, so I'd like you to talk a little bit about the King side. But also talking, you know, because you also do Sirius XM and the differences, has it different, has it the same, because it's all audio. But that's, you know, that's technically radio and we're podcasts. Talk a little bit of shop here. Yeah, absolutely. So you'll see the theme. What I've said to you, uh, the pr program manager at Sirius XM, first and foremost, it took me four years to get there four years of intermittently reaching out to someone to say, we need to be talking about diversity and inclusion on this channel. You know, we can't complain about unemployment and underemployment in the black community. And then we don't give people with power, 
people that can do the hiring, we're not giving them entree access to the listener who's black or brown. So we got to do a better job of that. Took four years. Four. I've now been on SiriusXM for over five years. So when people see me, you know, you see me for what it is that I'm doing right now. You didn't see all of the things that I had to do to get to where I am right now. So we're talking about a decade. I told the people at SiriusXM exactly what I said to you. And I use that platform because now I get to hold executives accountable. It's not 100% executive voices, but certainly 60, 70% of my guests are going to come from the C-suite. Because for me, Wendy, it's absolutely important that they are not only talking to audiences on CNBC Business and Squawk Box and Fox Business and any of the other shows, but that they come talk to us, that they come and talk to us. I had the commissioner of Minnesota Department of Corrections on the other day so we could talk about exactly what's happening in Minnesota around George Floyd and policing and all of that. I want to hear a variety of voices talking to my audience because one, it shows my audience that they care. And two, I get to hold them accountable. If you tell me you want black and brown talent or you want to do a better job of diversity and inclusion, equity and belonging, I get to hold you accountable. But we also get to have promising conversations. Everyone knows or most people know of CEO action. First year that I was out, I couldn't get PricewaterhouseCoopers to return a message. The first year of my show, I couldn't get them to return a message. By the end of the first year, I had the CEO, Tim Ryan, on my show. So that shows what we did from January of 2019 to October of 2019. Just in that nine, 10 month period, we were able to capture enough voices, share enough clips, build enough reputation that Tim Ryan, PwC CEO action says, you know what? This is a place where we we need to be. We got to talk to this audience. That's what I use SiriusXM for. I want to make sure that we are providing opportunity for our audience. I use Crazy and the King to get a bit raw. You know, I try <laughs> to say, I'm professional and buttoned up on a Sunday afternoon. I got to make mom proud. But Crazy and the King, you know, you might get you might get a little bit on Crazy and the King because, well, I mean, think about it. It's frustrating to be to wake up like literally every week that Julian. This is not an exaggeration. Every single week that Julian and I record after we publish our episode on Wednesday evening or Thursday morning, undoubtedly before Friday at close of business. A story will come out that infracts upon somebody in the workplace or egregiously shows you misstepped on diversity and inclusion every single week. There's no shortage of content. (laughs) I got to, you know, I got a saying, Jonathan, and it's real simple. I just said white women need to stop baking apple pies, but he's racist. You know, that's just the way it is. I am very, very serious. There is one thing that I am absolutely non-negotiable on. And that is racism. That's the reason why we have crazy in the kink. It doesn't take long for that level of humanity to send my temperature straight through the roof. And that has everything to do with my being raised in the Midwest and dealing with those races that I had to deal with in Davenport, Iowa, and having people call me the N-word and every other name in the book when I would deliver their newspaper, 
serve their uh, ice cream and Baskin Robbins, flip their pizza and Godfather's pizza, when I would just be riding on my little motor scooter going to the 7-Eleven, this is what I dealt with. There's nothing about me that's going to capitulate and or make space for racists. I don't care who it is. I don't care where they come from. I don't care what title they have. I don't give a how much money they make. There is nothing that will make me capitulate to racism. That's the one thing that I am absolutely non-negotiable on. I have zero time for that. So you can see the passion there. I use Crazy and the King to kind of let all of that out. I need an outlet. That's what my outlet is. It seems to work. I love your guys' show. I try to listen. It's a little harder now that I'm not driving to work every day, finding times to listen, but I always do um, try to make time for, for your guys' show because the passion of, of both of you comes out and it just brings a, a different frame that I'm not typically going to see. Um, yeah, when I'm absolutely. At Godfather's, enjoying my enjoying that taco pizza. Which used to be my favorite as well. <laughs> Which you, really and good. I'm telling you, it was, and when I use, when I tell you, I would every single shift make a small taco pizza on purpose <laughs> and just pretend like someone, I hope nobody from Davenport, Iowa was listening. And I would literally <laughs> make a small taco pizza and say, oh, well, you know, this person didn't pick it up. They let us take it home in the evening. <laughs> I got a taco pizza like every shift that I worked. I mean, it was, you, Hey, we all did, some advantage. We all did some things in high school that we weren't necessarily going to brag about in the yearbook. Trust right. me. <laughs> we all did. No. And I want now I'm gonna have to go get a taco pizza the next time I'm I'm by Godfathers. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hello, HR Social Hour community. This is Mike Sipple of the Talent Magnet Institute. Thank you all for everything that you're doing and elevating the world in which we lead, the world in which we live, and the opportunities that we have to make an impact. Super excited to be listening with you to this week's episode with Torin Ellis as he's joined uh, John and Wendy to focus on solutions, creating impact, and driving change. Um, I just want to take a moment and encourage all of you to hop on over as a guest of this podcast. You can hop on over to MikeSippleJR.com, MikeSippleJr.com, and download a virtual onboarding toolkit that was specifically designed with you in mind. Also, follow us on Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on Facebook and LinkedIn. Thank you again for the opportunity, John and Wendy, and I'm going to turn the mic back over to you. All right, and we are back. Torin, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the half-hour question connection. We left talking about high school. Gotta know, what career did you dream of having when you were a child? I would probably have to go with being a garbage collector. I wrote it, it's actually an insert inside of my book, Rip the Resume. I, when I was a child, I used to take all of, you remember Tinker Toys? Are you old enough to remember Tinker Toys? Oh, yeah. Jonathan, you remember Tinker Toys? I remember Tinker Toys and Lincoln Logs. Oh, yes. Got it. So quick story. I would take all of my Tinker Toys and whatever else I had, I would put it all over the floor. And then I would throw the toys onto the couch. The couch symbolized the back of a garbage truck. And then as a child, I would jump on the edge of the couch until my mom saw me hanging off the damn couch and she'd get upset, Um, you know, but... (laughs) But that was my thing. And so even now, this is no exaggeration. Even now, my garbage truck comes through 
at three, four in the morning. And if I hear the garbage truck and I'm up, I will actually go to my bedroom window and I literally watch them throw it in. It's like so therapeutic for me. And and if I'm really, really up, I will go outside and I'll talk to them for 30 seconds or I'll take a bag and throw it in myself with them. That was my thing. And I don't even know where that came from, but I wanted to do garbage. My husband's family owned a garbage company in their town. And my husband, that's what he, that was his high school job, collecting garbage with his dad. That's just funny. <laughs> Torin, who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? John Rogers, CEO of Ariel Investments. Many of you, if you know Ariel Investments, you probably know Melody Hobson, who's married to George Lucas. But the CEO of Ariel Investments is John Rogers. And, you know, just hearing his entire story, how he grew up, how his parents grew up, the amount of confidence and trust that people have in terms of allowing him to invest and manage funds for them, his desire to give back to the community to make sure that we eradicate economic disparity and, you know, financial illiteracy uh, in black and brown communities all across the country. John Rogers is someone who I think is absolutely a phenomenal man. Torn, someone new to HR asks you for a piece of advice. What would you tell them? Be curious. You know, you can always go to, um, you know, the one argument that I had, and I said this at the top of the show, that I have a unique footprint. What I can say is that everything that I've done in life, for the most part, has been learned in the process. Even when I was in the military, I didn't test to do the job that I did in the military. I just tested high enough. You know, they thought that I was smart enough to learn how to do the job. And I learned it on the job. And I was, you know, a a communications analyst carrying a top secret security clearance. Every single thing that I've done, I've learned on the job because I was curious. And so I would encourage a person to enter into this work with a posture of and a commitment to being curious. Torin, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community or community at large? Man, I mean, I'm on I'm on the phone probably, you know, 10 hours a week, five to 10 hours a week, just, you know, nurturing, motivating um, mentoring people around the country as it relates to DNI. I take calls from people who need help with DNI and they're never going to be a client. I take calls from individuals who need a shoulder to lean on and ear to burn because they're burnt out. That diversity fatigue is there. So, you know, the giving back for me is something that is, you know, part and parcel of who I am. Everything can't be about revenue. And so, while I may be a bit slow every once in a while to respond because I have messaging coming from a variety of different platforms, I still try to make the time to, you know, to to be available to people, especially when I know that they need someone in that particular capacity. All right, Torin, this next question is uh, the one everyone says is the hardest. The next three are the hardest ones. Your favorite movie? Heat. That was easy. Oh, that was yeah, and let me tell you, you know, I love that because I rooted for the bad guys in Heat. <laughs> like yeah. Robert De Niro is cool, you know, and I just really, really enjoyed the clash between the bad and the good. And I really, really wanted him to get away. Like I, I wanted him to be able to to start that new life that he, 
you know, he had talked about. So that's one of my favorite three hour movies. How about your favorite musician or band? That's it's, that's very simple. Raheem Devon and Jill Scott. So Raheem Devon is, you know, he considers himself to, to be the love king. So he's, you know, today's version of a Marvin Gaye. And Jill Scott is just so incredible. The range, the tone, the stage presence. Um, it's just a beautiful con- combination for me. Uh, how about a favorite TV show? I don't watch TV. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, so I, I mean, I do a peek at it, but yeah. it's not something where I have a favorite. Like I can turn on my Netflix right now and it'll say continue watching. And there's probably 30 things that I've started. I'll get in like 10 minutes. You know, Jonathan, I'm like, oh, this is boring. So, you know, I back out. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I'm kind of hard to please on on just regular television. I guess, you know, if I had to think of one right now, Billions is pretty good. I do like Billions. I think that that's a pretty okay. interesting show. We are hearing Billions more and more often yeah. these days. Yeah, I yeah. We picked a fan base in the last little bit of time. Torrent, if you're if you're not watching Heat, if you're not listening to Raheem Devon or Jill Scott, you're not watching Billions. What else do you like to do outside of work? Oh, it's real simple, man. I, first and foremost, I absolutely love my family. I try to spend time with um, you know them and being supportive. My kings are 15 and 18, and you know, I try to make sure that I'm always there to, you know, to just remind them that they are kings, to erase the negative, you know, messaging and whatnot from media, from friends, from social media, and just keep them grounded. So that's number one for me. Number two, there's nothing better than uh, smoking a great cigar, uh, whatever that is, and, you know, having some cognac. So that's always a plus. Uh, and then last but not least, I enjoy prepping for my presentations. I have a process and a routine that I go through. It's incredible for me. Uh, It keeps me grounded, if you will. You know, I'm able to go out and speak and deliver and and by all accounts, touch people's hearts and minds and hopefully get them to believe that they can do better in this work. That's awesome. I don't know that we've ever had anyone say prep as part of something they do outside of work. You can't see it now, but I have, you know, little yellow sticky notes up on a wall. And so you might say something to me and you don't even know that you said it, Wendy, just like I told you, Jason Everbrook has, uh, when we were doing the zoom, he's got the the super, super person shield, uh, in the back. So things like that, when I experience things, it could be a song, it could be a line, it could be a quote, it could be something you said, I'll write it down and I'll throw it up on the wall. And so on my wall, I have these little yellow sticky notes And it's like a puzzle. And so for me, the creativeness is how do you take that and weave it into a DNI message that pierces people in their ear, that hits them in their heart? And so, yes, I have to prep because I'm not a guy who's going to show up and put a bunch of slides up and point to a bunch of numbers and say that this is how you do diversity and inclusion. That's what other people do. And that's a lazy way of attacking a conversation that has not moved in the last 30 years. So yes, it is required of me to prep because I got to give them a different type of message. Torn, finally, it is Torn Ellis Day all around the world. What are we doing to celebrate? You know, I don't know. That's a very, very good question. We have so many things that that need to be done. I don't know. You know, I don't know how to answer that one. I, I just I think that whatever that celebration is, Wendy, you know, whatever that celebration is, is if it shows that we are more connected as humans, that we are 
you know, not battling the the various barriers that I think are being erected to separate us. If we can show that we are more connected, I'm always happy about that. I know it sounds a bit, you know, uh, euphoric and Pollyannish, if you will, but that's really what I want. I want that place where, you know, folks used to talk about back in, you know, the 30s and 40s that we used to leave our front door open. I want that to be the conversation. I want us to to know that that level of love here. I'll say it in this way. Whenever I start a presentation, I always tell people that the two most powerful words in our lexicon are love and process. And so if I know and can see more love being demonstrated, I think that's the ideal Torin Ellis day. That's awesome. I think that sounds like a, a great day indeed. I'm so appreciative of your time, of your passion, being willing to share with us across the board and a lot of different things, a lot of things for us to consider and, and for our listeners to consider tonight. For those that maybe aren't connected with you, but now that they've heard you and, and you even mentioned maybe an offer in a little free package for them, what's the best way for them to reach you out there via social media? So if you're looking at social media, I'm Torin Ellis across all of the platforms at Torin Ellis. My website is torinellis.com. And if that fails, just go to LinkedIn and my contact vitals are open. So I'm easy to find and easier to get to. Excellent. We will have that in the show notes. And Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for listeners to reach you? Uh, best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the second and fourth Sundays of each month, you will find me on Twitter, 7 p.m. Eastern as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Once again, I want to thank Mike Sippel and the folks at Talent Magnet Institute for sponsoring this episode. And as for me, johntherman.com for all things John Thurman. For the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share, subscribe, folks. Please subscribe. It helps (laughs) us for sure. International listeners, you know what we're going to say. Contact us. We have gifts, and we'd like to send them along. And Thank you for being part of the community. Torn again, appreciate your time. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect, give back, and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.